1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. I'm joined as ever by the Athletics Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans, and instead of asking you how you are, like I do every week, and ask you how you're coping with lockdown, Greg, I'm going to throw a different question at you, a different vibe today. If you could be locked down with one former Villa player, who would it be? <laughs> uh, hello to you, Dan. Put me on right on the spot, why don't you? <laughs> apologies, um... apologies. One former Villa player, right? Yeah, just uh, one. <laughs> there's plenty of them, isn't there? Okay, right. Okay, Let, let's. I, I think he's got to be Dwight York, hasn't it? Um, he's a player pro- that I've never actually interviewed, although I have been pressing him for an interview with him recently. Uh, I've read his book, Born to Score. It's absolutely brilliant, and you know he, he lived a, a, ve- a seriously colourful life. So uh, he had more women than both me and you could ever imagine, Dan. So um, <laughs> well, that, that was a good start. <laughs> I think I think he had. If if my memory serves me right, I think he had four in the space of twenty four hours during one busy day at Villa. Um, that was from uh, that was from from reading his book and obviously, look, yeah, yeah. As I say, he had a very colourful life. He, I think I remember reading that he played golf with um, the late Seve Ballesteros, and I mean, what an honour that would have been. So yeah, yeah if I, if I was locked down with Dwight, I'd I'd love to chat through all, all of those memories with him. Yeah, you're doing a great job of making our podcast 18 plus this week, Greg. So, so kudos to you, to you for that. I was gonna, I was gonna say for me, I was gonna go for tails, but I think I'd annoy him too much, and I think he'd probably end up murdering me. So I'll, I've gone with Dion Dublin, just because he could go around the house and look at look at what's wrong and do some of those some of those odd jobs, obviously with his home under the hammer career. And I like a bit of head tennis, and I think I think he'd be good for head tennis in the garden as well. So I'm gonna go for Dion. Would you uh, get him to show you how to play the doob as well? Oh yeah, the doob. I, I, I forgot about the doob. You know what? I'm actually I've actually completely lost it in this lockdown. Like I ordered a ukulele <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, so trying to going to learn how to play the ukulele so we could get the ukulele and the doob on the go at the same time and, and see what happens with that as well. Well, you, you've certainly thrown me off um, off topic here. Anyway, Dan, should we start talking about some serious stuff? Yeah, yeah, weird stuff. Weird <laughs> start to the podcast. We've got some good stuff coming up this week. Later on in the show, we're going to be joined by Villa fan and. Top 20 musician Nathan Doyle has been knocking around the top 40 charts recently with his song Flower, so it'd be great to hear from him. Proper Villa fan as well, and always good to see Villa fans doing well. We're going to look at the Villa number no. 9 shirt as well and question whether that's been cursed over the years, leading nicely into Greg's article that he's done this week. But we're going to start with football, which makes sense for a, for a football podcast. When When's it coming back, Greg? What do you know? Oh yeah, well it's the, it's the the key question, isn't it? I mean, it does it does start to feel like things are moving in the right direction now. I mean, Premier League players are training at their respective clubs' training grounds now, which is obviously a good start. Um, yeah. At Villa, some of the players have been in you know, for staggered sessions that they're obviously adhering to the social distancing rules, um, and they're not training as a group yet. I think the hope is from the contacts and the people that I've been speaking to, the hope is that they can resume full group training in the middle of May. Um, of course, okay. everyone's. Of course, everyone's across the country is waiting for you know the government's rules and guidelines to to follow. But there's another big meeting on Friday to to discuss the options ahead. So um, we'll we'll wait and see. I think the Premier League have, have named it Project Restart. So we'll we'll be expecting Inventive. some significant. Yeah, we'll we'll be expecting some news um, probably by the weekend. I mean, just just privately, I've been told by some of my contacts that the Premier League are hopefully restarting on June the eighth. Um, which would then give enough to uh, give give teams enough time to complete the games before the end of July. Uh, obviously, for that to happen, as I previously mentioned, the training would need to resume 
as a group by the by the middle of May, and that will give the players enough time to complete what will effectively be a pre a mini pre season, won't it? Because yeah, uh, the players are going to need three or four weeks, I think, to train. Um, so we shall we shall see. I presume that coming back would be behind closed doors. Spectators wouldn't be allowed in. Yeah, it, it, it certainly seems that way. I just, I, I don't know for sure, but I just can't see how um, how you could open stadiums up to such big amounts of, of spectators, no. um, given the social distancing rules that are likely to be still in place. I mean, it will be very interesting to see how Germany get on uh, playing games behind closed doors if they get the go ahead from from politicians this week. Um, obviously, we're starting to hear about plans from other leagues across the country now, and it is very varied. You know, Holland have called it a day already; their season isn't resuming. Yeah. Um, the Belgian league will make a decision this week. You know, we've heard news earlier in the week that France have banned all sporting events until September, so that's league on. That's that season over. Um, and then I think Spain and Italy are still deciding, aren't they? So it's, it's just yeah. a case of let's 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 see what happens in in the days and and maybe weeks ahead. But I think it, we're gearing up to a, a big big crucial sort of weekend of maybe some significant news. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's more important stuff going on in, in the world. Football's not the priority, but for us it's our, it's your, well, it's your job and it's, it's, it's my main hobby, so I, I want it to come back, but I understand the, the reasons behind why things are taking so long to, to sort out. What is it that's actually holding things up? Because it's been seven weeks without football now, which it feels a lot longer, but it's seven weeks without it. What is it, that, what are the key issues holding things up at the moment? Yeah, I mean, there's so many issues, isn't there? I mean, if you if you were actually to write them down and think logically, you, you would never say that that football is going to resume until yeah. until you know this coronavirus crisis is completely over. I mean, some of the issues are: can like a safe environment be guaranteed if 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 teams are going to be playing against each other? What happens if a player actually has coronavirus? How do you stop fans congregating outside of a stadium if the games are held there? Then you've got the issues of actually where the games are going to be played. I mean, some of my contacts tell me that there are objections of playing at neutral venues. That That's like generally speaking across the country, not specifically from Villa. Um, yeah. Also, there are some players that are uncomfortable with the idea of, um, of being in like a hotel quarantine for two months. That doesn't sound um, you know, great for the players and some of the players aren't, um, aren't keen on that. And, and there's also the ethical issue around the testing kits. I mean... There was a big meeting last week between club medics and um, the recommendations from, from that meeting was that players should be tested twice a week once the group training resumes. Now, first of all, that's going to cost the Premier League a lot of money if they cover the cost. And and also, you've got to think, well, why are footballers being prioritised if, if other like, frontline workers can't get tested? So there's a, there's a lot of issues there which need to be resolved and I'm glad I'm not making the decisions. Yeah, they've got to be careful because there's a potential to... I mean, a lot of people could come out of this badly if the wrong decisions made, or if it looks like, like you say, it looks like footballers are being prioritised. That that doesn't sit well with me, and I don't think that's what what should happen. But how do the Villa players feel about it, and what's the latest at Bodymore Heath? Yeah, I think that there's obviously mixed feelings. You know, every there's a big squad there at Villa, and every player sort of has um, his own opinion. The, the players all want to return as soon as possible and and play football because it's, it's their livelihoods, isn't it? It's what they love doing. Um, but there are others that are more concerned about the safety of returning and whether it's too soon, etc. Um, at Bodymore Heath, it's still a very quiet place because the main building's closed. Uh, you know, most of the tra- uh, players are still training from home. I think a few of them are 
are popping in for for individual sessions here and there. Yeah. You know that they would they will have a, you know a big sort of area of the practice field to themselves. They will be adhering to the social distancing rules. Um, We've seen, you know, we've seen Arsenal and, and West Ham and Brighton and teams like that are returning now. So we'd expect that at Villa soon. Um, but yeah, the, look, you know, they're footballers and they get bored at home like like all of us. So they they just want to get back to work and train and and start playing again. Let's move away from the lockdown talk because it does bring you down a, a little bit. One man who is away from the Midlands right now is Villa's record signing Wesley. You, you've done an article about him this this week. How's he getting on? Yeah, he's, he's recovering well actually. It was a you know as we all know it was a really serious injury. He did his ACL in his in his right knee. Um, so it was always going to be a long recovery process for him. Uh, he went over to Brazil, which was always planned. You know before this coronavirus crisis, he was always going to go over there for. Um, I think initially it was, he was going to go there for four or five weeks just to aid his recovery. Um, yeah. he, he's doing well over there. Look, he's progressing. Um, he's got a, a, a personal physiotherapist with him uh, who's monitoring his every move. Um, and uh, obviously people, at, uh, the staff at Villa are, are staying in touch with him. So the, the story that I wrote actually was about Wesley and, and, and number nines in, in the past. He's, it's, looking back on some of those old num- number nines, it's been a... It's been a shirt that's carried a, a significant weight for for some players and who haven't really been able to live up to their expectations. Um, with, with Wesley, he he actually almost demanded that he was given the number nine shirt because he he's never he never wore it in his career before. He, he was number seven, I think, at Bruges, um, but he felt that he was the number nine. He wanted to come to Villa and, and sort of. Um, stamp his authority on on that position straight away, and you know, learnt from people close to him that um, he's he studied the 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 game of Ronaldo Ronaldo's sort of game in 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 detail over recent times. He was initially a number ten Wesley, believe it or not, and 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 loved watching Ronaldinho and wanted to base his game on him. But um, as he sort of developed and he's you know got taller and stronger, he he became a number nine. So uh, let's hope when he returns, he he will be able to fill that void. Yeah, I can't really imagine him as a number ten if I'm no, if I'm being totally honest <laughs> with you. So it's a good story. It's a good read. Your number nine story. I mean, anyone can go and read it now because the Athletic are doing a bit of a, a free trial at the moment. So if you go on the Athletic dot com forward slash Villa Pod, you'll get a ninety day free trial and be able to go back and look over all Greg's pieces. But I've got a bone to pick with you with the number nines because I thought there was a harsh inclusion in there. Leave Marlon Harewood alone, mate. I don't. I don't want to oh, see you picking on, on Marlon. I do not want to say that. He's part of it, I'm afraid, mate. The guy scored five goals in one start. Coming, coming off the bench, I mean, come on. Be Listen, real, Greg. I, I think Marlon Harewood has had a very good career, but at Villa, he wasn't great. Come on. I'm not having that. I, I, I cannot have that. He, he was never one in... game. Well, yeah, exactly. He wasn't really ever given given a fair crack of the whip by, by Martin O'Neill. Someone I'd like to speak to, actually, Marlon, because he's a bit, <laughs> a bit of a cult hero. Of <laughs> he won't if he listens to me. He won't be speaking <laughs> to you on this maybe, pod, will he? <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll leave you out of it and just me and Marlon <laughs> can do it. Uh, I was going to say with the number nine thing as well, it strikes me that the distribution of the shirt has, hasn't been that brilliant over the years. I mean, why are you giving Stephen Ireland the number nine shirt? He's, he's beyond me. Yeah, I think I think with with Ireland it was a case of he wanted the number seven shirt, didn't he? When he came, he said it was it was a it was almost superstitious. He, he yeah. wore the number seven from when he was a a kid, and I think the nine was vacant at that point when he came in. Um, yeah, it was because Harewood would have left, wouldn't he? He, he was yeah, after he Harewood, so a sad I day, think... mate. A sad day. <laughs> I mean, do you know what? It'd be great to get Marlon Harewood on the podcast. Actually, maybe maybe we will one day, and um, I'll yeah. leave you to it. I'll, I'll have a week off that week. 
Yeah, that'd be good. We'll replace you with Marlon. <laughs> super, super sub Marlon like he was back in the day, mate. One start, Dan. Come on. Yeah. One start, mate. Let's get on to your, uh, your other articles. Another number nine, actually, Juan Pablo Angel. You've been, you've been speaking to him. It was heavily based around his time in America, but I found it really interesting because there was a lot of stuff in there. I, I didn't know a lot. I like to think I know a lot about his time at Villa, but there was a lot of stuff after there that I, that I didn't really know about. What was it like catching up with him? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, he was. Uh, he's based uh, over in his homeland now in, in Colombia, just outside Medellin. And um, his sons, he's got three sons. Um, one of them, uh, Tommy, is likely to be a professional footballer. He's doing very well. I think he's part of the LA Galaxy setup, uh, or at least oh, nice. certainly was anyway. Um, but no, he, he he's doing well and he'll be over in the UK at some point soon once this um, lockdown is over because he wants to become a manager. So uh, the Welsh FA have, in, have invited him over to, to do his pro licence, which is something he's looking forward to. Um, he's currently working as a technical director type for, for um, Los Angeles Football Club. Uh, okay. So he sort of smooths over deals for South American players to move to Los Angeles. And uh, I think they've had a fair bit of success in, in recent times as well. But no, it, it was good to catch up with him. The, the idea I had with the story was because he's done so many interviews over the years and because he's spoken quite a lot about Villa, I feel like a lot of Villa fans do pretty much know all about sort of his real key moments at, as a Villa player. So I just thought it'd be interesting to find out a little bit of what happened after he left Villa. And, and it was very interesting, to be honest. You know, He moved over to New York to play for the um, the Red Bulls when the MLS was just starting up. And um, the way he left was uh, quite controversial because he fell out with a, a senior member of staff there. And, um, you know, he was the top goal scorer, I think, for, for three seasons in a row. And, and obviously Thierry Henry had just come in. He played a part in him coming. Um, it would have been really interesting to see the two of them fit and firing as a partnership in the MLS. I think they'd have caused all sorts of havoc. Um, but no, I mean, you know, we might see Juan Pablo back in, back in England at some point. Yeah, just for our listeners and the, the readers of The Athletic as well, like how, do, how do you go about do, doing something like that? Is it, is, it, is it a video call? Do you just, do you just call Juan Pablo Angel up? Like how, how does it work? <laughs> yeah, on, on this occasion, it was um, a just a, just a voice call. Yeah, we, we didn't do video call. I mean, okay. that possibly would have been the option, but um, it, it's 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 just based, you know, the context that you've had over the years. You know, if you, you just uh, Juan Pablo is very uh, accommodating. He's very media friendly. So uh, you know, the, the, the few times I've interviewed him, I've just sort of you, you just contact him and say do you fancy doing an interview on and do this, this and this? And he obviously says yes or no. Sometimes you have to push ex-players and current players a little bit harder to get the interviews. Um, and then obviously there are players that it's it's in their own benefit because, you know, they want to get their their name or their brand or their sort of uh, story out there. So with Juan Pablo, he was very accommodating. It was, it was very helpful. Um, I, I worked in, in junction with um, a girl called Holly Percival, who who is uh, studying journalism as well. So okay, some of good. the followers on Twitter would have noticed that I put a tweet out recently just offering to help um, any students who, who had missed out on work experience uh, during this lockdown period. And yeah, I had lots of requests and, and Holly yeah, was yeah. one of the, the, the standout emails and sort of she... She actually helped me get in touch with Juan Pablo, so um, fair play to her. It was good to link up with her. Nice, nice. It's really good, really nice of you. Good, good, good to hear. And you wouldn't really want to do a video call with Juan Pablo Angel, to be fair, because he's, he's a good-looking boy and you wouldn't look great <laughs> on the screen next to him. That's not just a dig at you, Greg. That's a, that's a dig at myself as well. I, I, I wouldn't I've, want to I've do it. I've still got 12 years in him, Dan, so I'll kind of back myself. But. <laughs> Mate, he's, he's been down the gym heavily since, since he left Aston Villa <laughs> Football Club. That's a fact. And he's, obviously, you talk to Villa players on a regular basis, but... 
it's been good on a podcast to, to speak to so many of the the ex-pros at Villa, hasn't it? I mean, we've got Curtis Davis coming up next week, who's a, a very, very good talker. But it's been great, hasn't it, getting him on a podcast during lockdown? Yeah, it's been really good, actually, to just to get some sort of untold stories um, and get their thoughts. It, it feels like they're uh, a lot more willing to talk, isn't it? Because they've, you know, they're, they're missing football as much as we are. So, um, no, it's been great. And, yeah, Curtis, Curtis is brilliant. He had a... A difficult time at Villa towards the end, but uh, he speaks very well, and you know he was obviously part of that that oh eight oh nine season where Villa came so close to to getting into the Champions League. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a good listen next week. So make sure you, you're tuning in to that. We've got another special guest joining us today, not an ex player, but someone who's who's doing really really well at the moment. We've got Nathan Dor coming on with us. Greg's looking forward to talking to him. Yeah, really looking forward to it. I used to listen to a lot of his mixes just before I was going out um, back in the day. So uh, it'd be could. great to catch up with him. <laughs> it'd be great yeah. to catch up with him and see what he's see what he's got to say about his music and Villa. To be honest, because he's a big yeah. fan, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, big big Villa fan. I've seen him around a few times. Let's let's bring him in. Welcome to 1874, Nathan Dor, little rhyme there that I didn't mean to do. Currently sitting at 22 in the UK top 40 with Flowers. It's a good lockdown track. I've got it on my phone. I've been listening to it. So first off, congratulations, mate. Absolutely smashing it at the moment. The only thing that really lets it down is the fact it features a blue nose in JK. <laughs> I know, yeah. How you doing, lads? Yeah, it's it's a, it's an odd one, isn't it? A lot of people have picked up on that and said, you know, why are you working with a blue nose? <laughs> but... um. <laughs> You know, that's, you know, the only thing that I don't, we don't get on, me and Jay. We are really good friends. And um, I think it was quite nice for the city to, you know, unite over, over music and especially to see it do so well. Um, it, it's quite nice to see. But uh, Jay does have a bit of a thrill. I know, like, Villa Park have played the tune a few times and yeah, had a bit yeah. of banter that his voice has been heard around Villa Park. <laughs> but, um, but no, Jay's a good lad, man. I know. And he has a lot of banter online with, a lot of the Villa fans sometimes maybe goes a little bit too far. I have to say, Jay Rainey in a little bit. You've got to tune out with me <laughs> right now that the Villa fans are supporting. But um, but no, he's, he's a good lad. Now it's good. I mean, obviously you're on a, on a positive journey at the moment and sometimes it's nice to take those a little less fortunate on, on that journey with you. But it must, be like a, <laughs> it must be a really special time for you. It must be a weird time as well because it's your first time in the top four to... But you can't yeah. go out and, and, and celebrate, especially last week when you cracked the top 20 as well. It's massive, but you've, you've stuck at it, home. It's it's an odd one. Like like I say, I'm literally just just chilling in the top 40 at the minute, which is weird <laughs> to even say. Um, and we can't go out and perform it. And obviously, we, we've moved down a couple of places this week due to like the influx of charity singles, which is great. Yeah, sure. um, but it's just, it's just a little bit, a tiny, tiny bit bittersweet that I can't go out and perform it because... I mean, the last time I performed it, the tune wasn't even in the top 100. And really? now, obviously, it's 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 cracked the top 20. So it's it's going to be quite mad when I get to play it. But um, I'm just itching to get back back to the live stage and, and perform it. What do you think it is that's made this track in particular like, so successful? Did you ever dream it would get in the top 40 when you released it? Um, I think every time you release a track, I mean, obviously, the aim is, is to, to crack the top 40. The tune came out October the 25th and then... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And then by December, it was petering off and we thought, right, it's time to bring another tune out. And then in January, it got played on TV show. And then from the back of that, it kind of started seeing a slight spike. And then it's just been a really slow increase since that. And then um, 
as soon as we hit lockdown, it just went mad. Like all the radio stations picked up on it, added it to their playlists and we got moved to bigger playlists on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. And it, yeah. it was, I think the main reason, to be honest, is it's such a happy and uplifting summer record that yeah. we had a bit of good weather and we need we need that right now. We need that positivity. And I think it just makes people forget about, you know, what's going on. I'm being sent videos all the time of people dancing to it in their gardens and their their children and dancing to it in the in the in the home. And I just genuinely think it's such a happy, uplifting record. There's no uh, relatability to what's going on right now. It's just forget about reality for a bit and just just enjoy it. And that's really helped. And I mean, a lot of people have said it's their it's their song of quarantine that will always remember them always remember this moment which i've said i hope that doesn't bring back negative vibes but um yeah yeah negative times but i think when you hear that tune in the future you're gonna think you know that was that was probably the biggest record out at the time when we were in lockdown which is quite surreal yeah you've been you've been working a little bit with little mix as well haven't you nathan i've got to get this one cleared up quickly who's the favorite out of the four of them um, you know. <laughs> um, I'm, a, I'm a big Liam fan if that helps let's hope yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know I, I do like I like Jade <laughs> to be fair I, I like all of them like they're, they're a good group of girls and obviously when we got the chance to work with them I, I'll be honest I didn't believe it at the start I thought my manager was, was pulling my leg um, <laughs> and then when we we got it done and then sent it through and come back and the girls said we, we love it I was thinking that's mad um, so it was pretty crazy to be working with, with a group. Well, yeah, literally the biggest girl group in the world. So that was crazy, man. Yeah, I saw the little marketing campaign as well. It was a bit like when Villa signed John Terry with the the WhatsApp group. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it, when it was launched, wasn't it? That. Yeah. Just tell us for those who, who don't know much about you. Just just tell us how you started and how you got to where you are today. Because I've always been aware of you purely through social media, really, and because you're a Villa fan. But things really seem to have snowballed fast recently. As I say, you're absolutely smashing it. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, I've obviously been DJing since I was like 10 years old and I'm, I'm 25 now. So 15 years and it, it took me 10 years to, to literally get anywhere really. Like the first 10 years I was just doing private parties, birthday parties, christenings, weddings, DJing in clubs and pubs in my local area, making a bit of a name for myself in my, my small town of Burton on Trent, but nothing, nothing more. Couldn't even break out into the Birmingham scene couldn't even get out into Tamworth or Litchfield or anywhere. Um, really? And then I thought I need to get an online presence. So started doing uh, SoundCloud mixes and trying to gear them towards the youth, but making them a bit different. So rather than sticking to one specific genre, I started making mixes that was a bit all over the place and had loads of different genres of music in one. And that seemed to be my kind of USP because my mixes started flying. I went out and did a couple of seasons abroad in Zante to build my name up across the UK because there's so many people travel from different parts of the UK to Zante. That definitely helped. And then I started getting a few guest bookings and it just exploded about, I'd probably say five, maybe four and a half years ago, it just kind of exploded. And within the space of two months, I went from being a resident DJ in, in Burton-on-Trent to being a headline DJ all over the country and, and the world really like being flown out left right and center and it, it was mental like the come up was definitely fast it was not slow and then um I thought right now I've got this opportunity 
I really need to just grasp it and make sure I turn it into like a, a full-time lengthy career rather than just like a flash in the pan. Because um, like I say, the come up was fast as in how quick I went from being a resident to be, being a big DJ. But obviously no one sees the 10 years of work before that no. where you're hunting out flies in the rain and doing all, all sorts of, of stuff you have to do on your journey. So um, that's kind of how it started at the start and then in recent years obviously i've managed to maintain a a really high level of of djing and in the music scene and played every festival i've ever dreamt of before i even brought my own production out um and then i'm definitely big on planning for the future so about three years ago i thought this like gravy train ain't gonna last forever i need to think of things in the future that needs to happen and one of them was to bring out my own records rather than just mixes. Um, yes. And obviously we're sitting in the position now where we've done that and we've we've had successful records and we're currently having my biggest one. And now I'm thinking what to do in the next three years. <laughs> we will go on to Villa in a sec. I just want to just I find that quite quite inspiring, to, to be honest. But have you ever had a, like a normal job? Has it always just been DJ? I had a paper round uh, <laughs> for counts, about a week. It does. Oh, I did have a normal <laughs> oh, not for a week, well. I worked at Primark. Okay. <laughs> well, the, re- the reason it was a week was because, obviously, my, my little village, I had to deliver all the, the papers to my little village, and there was there was one house that was, for some reason, on my on my route, which was in the next village, but it was like a 25-minute walk just to do one house, and it was at the end of the paper round, no, and I thought, I am not doing this for, like, four quid or whatever it was, so <laughs> I ended up going to Primark um, when I was 15, 16, whatever age it is you need to be. Thankfully, at the time, my mum was one of the managers there, so I got I got fast tracked, <laughs> and um, that was it. Was weird because I was earning sixteen pounds for a four hour shift at Primark, and then on the Saturday night, I was getting a bit of work DJing in my local pub, and I was getting like fifty quid for like three hours. And I was thinking. I'm folding t-shirts for 16 quid for four hours. And then at the night time, I'm getting free drinks and 50 quid for doing playing music. And that's what made me think, do you know what? I'm going to try and make this a career because this is, I'm just cashing in here. Yeah, it makes sense, makes sense. Obviously, hope, we hope we don't see you in Primark anytime soon. You continue on the upward trajectory. I still shop there. That, now, that you're on. Oh, you still shop there. No, I've seen you, mate. You're pure, you're, you're pure Adidas. You're pure Adidas. Yeah, I am, yeah. It's, it's great to see a Villa fan doing well. How, how how long have you been going to the villa? Because I've, I've bumped into you a couple of times at away games, but how, how long have you been yeah. going to the villa for? I'll be honest, as long as I can remember. Like the whole family's villa. Um, no blue noses in the family, just all villa. And um, we've been, we had it, me and my dad had a season ticket since I was, yeah, about about 10. And then when obviously we had the, the recession and stuff, we, my dad couldn't really afford to to keep the season tickets up and we we had to kind of give it two or three years off and then um now like i buy the season tickets for me and my dad is like it's quite nice nice. so it's a bit yeah that is nice full circle but um i've had we've had our new season tickets for like the past five six years um so yeah pretty much since i was 10 give or take one or two seasons we had to have off I've, i've had a season ticket so um it's a massive part of my life. Like it's literally just villa and music. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good life. Yeah, <laughs> not a bad life. Um, there, there can't have been too many villa fans though from from Burton, from from your village. What would it have been like at school growing up? Um, 
to be honest, there is quite a few. Like it's either Derby um, or Villa, really, or Man United, Liverpool. But um, it's 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 odd. I was probably one of very few Villa fans in the school, and I did get a lot of banter. But because Derby are awful, it's just brilliant because <laughs> every time we play them and we hammer them, especially in the playoff <laughs> final, everyone like before they're they're so cocky before the game. All the Derby fans and. I just have the upper hand every time we play them, especially I remember that 6-0 at, um, at Pride Park. I went to that game. My, my best mate's a Derby fan and he was at the game, obviously, in the Derby end. And it, when Petrov scored from the halfway line, it was just, oh my God, I've never felt anything like it. And um, <laughs> it was that's one of my highlights because I'd never, I'd never let, let him give up on that. But um, <laughs> but yeah, there's, there is a varied set of fans in Burton, but there is a, quite a big Villa fan court following, to be honest. Yeah, let's talk about cup final day. Uh, earlier this year, which feels like an absolute lifetime ago no. now, with, with with all that's going on, I, I was with you at Box Park in Wembley mm-hmm. when you played that that set to the Villa fans, and it it was amazing. Yeah. And I, I imagine it's one of your favourite gigs you've ever done. Yeah, hundred percent. Like we wanted to do something for the playoff final, um, but we just couldn't get anything confirmed. We were trying to we were rang the Green Man. I think we messaged Box Park as well, but just no one got back to us. And yeah. that was the aim for the playoff final. And then for Box Park this year with um, the, the Carabao Cup, when it was all confirmed and that, I just kept my expectations low because I thought, you know, all right, they've 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 asked us to come down and do it, but I'm just going to be chucked in a corner and have low-level music and, you know, it not be basically what it was. I was, I was scared of that. And then... I thought I'll keep my expectations low and just enjoy what happens. And yeah, sure. when I turned up and just tons of kids come running over and was just asking for pictures and we got there, I got in there and I thought, bloody hell, it is quite loud. I was thinking, great, like, this is amazing. And um, when we went on within 10 minutes, I don't know if you noticed, but they had to like crank it up. They turned it off for like a second and then put the massive sound system on and the managers were just saying like, what the hell this is going off? Like, we didn't expect yeah, it this. it really was. And they were, um, I think they also were a bit sceptical. They thought like, we'll get this Nathan guy down, but I don't really know what he's going to do. We would probably just play a few tunes. And then when they seen it, he was saying after, he was like, we've never seen the place like it. It was like a concert. Yeah, and, it was um, unbelievable. The, the atmosphere was just electric. And it definitely was. Like I say, I've played in, thankfully, some of the best clubs in the world and festivals. And that was definitely right straight into my top three. Like it was brilliant. Yeah, it was absolutely mad. I was in Box Park the year the year before, and it was at the playoffs, and it, there was nothing like that. I reckon you probably set a trend now because they'll probably try and do that kind of thing for every team that gets to win. Yeah, now. it's not a bad idea. It must be quite surreal hearing your tunes around Villa Park as well. You know, with the playlists before match days. How, how did that feel, Nathan? Just the first time you heard it, and does does it ever get sort of normal for you? Um, well, I've had my like mixes play in the car parks. I don't know if you've ever heard that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Every time yeah. I walk in, it's you know your your music's playing. Yeah, they've they've so they played that for a while, and then my first record, cheating, they really supported that, and they they played that in the stadium. And um, Ian, the stadium director, I get on with really really well. And um, when they were first going to play it for the first time on match day, he let me come early and before the stadium opened, I went pitch side and I took my dad with me and um, we he put it on the, the main system 
And I just, I just got goosebumps. Like I was thinking, I'm in, I'm in front of the whole tent with my dad, my singles playing. I'm in just, I'm in heaven. Like this is just <laughs> unreal. So every time you hear it, you do get a massive sense of pride. And I think every kid wants to be a footballer. And for me, that's probably the closest I'll ever get, like to um, experiencing that, like having an involvement with the club and putting out your your work at that stadium in front of thousands of fans. It's, it is, it is a bit crazy. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because we're, we're all failed footballers. So, like, as a DJ playing to Villa fans, that that's as good as it, it gets. And that day in Box Park as well, link, linking it with Ian Tyler. I mean, obviously, Greg Greg wasn't there because he was busy being a professional. But to get Ian Tyler, <laughs> Ian Tyler up on there with, with you as well, it's like a, like a midfield partnership in there, Nathan Dore, Ian Tyler. And apart from having to sort out, <laughs> apart from having to sort out his fifty VIP passes that he asked for, that must have been incredible as well working with him. Yeah, I, I know his son Jordan, um, but I never got to meet Ian until then. And um, really, what a time! Yeah, yeah. And Ian, Ian popped up and just said, "You know, can can you sort me out some tickets?" I was thinking, "I will do everything I can, Ian. Like, don't, don't worry, I'll, I'll try everything I can." And obviously, at this point, I'd already had tons of people messaging me and asking for tickets, and I was trying to sort as many as possible. But then, I literally had no tickets to sort, so I thought. I'm just going to have to get my manager to ring Box Park and just say, it's Ian Taylor. Like, just let, let him bring him who he wants. Give him his own guest list. He hasn't got to have mine. He can have his own. Um, yeah. And he rang Box Park and he just said, yeah, like, of course, Ian can come down. And he was like, it'd be great if he could just come on and say hello to the fans. And um, I said to Ian, I guess, Ian, they're going to give you a guest list. You can bring, like, however many it was. And I he said, all they're asking for is... Yeah, yeah, definitely did. Um, and then he said, I guess all they're asking for is, could you just come on the mic and say hello? And he was like, mate, I'll get the place rocking. I'll come straight on stage. <laughs> I was thinking, amazing. So um, that was good. Because at my live shows, when I do it, usually I'm quite well known for bringing out artists, like special guests. So it was just quite nice to be able to do the same in the football kind of side of things, which was cool. Yeah, he loved it as well. Yeah, I bet, I bet you did know. When you have like really big events like that, do you, I mean, what are your WhatsApp messages like in your DMs? I mean, I bet they're full with sort of requests to get in with you. Yeah, is, it, is it quite hard to satisfy the demand? It, it is hard. It is hard. Like when you're doing like your O2 show or like the Villa thing or, or big festivals, like naturally, I can imagine it's like, you know, footballers when they're getting hounded for tickets. It's, um, yeah, your phone does go mad, and it's hard because I just want to try and please everyone, and I, I feel bad if someone asks for something and I can't do it. So I always try so hard, but there literally is a point where it's like it's a cut-off point, and it's like you actually have not got any more tickets to get someone in, and <laughs> sure. there's only so many people you can sneak through a back door, and it's it, it has to be a cut-off point, and it, it does go pretty mental, and you have to just try and work out, you know, who's actually spoke to you and made an effort with you previously <laughs> who who's literally just messaged you for the first time in three years <laughs> and try and work out not who deserves them because i don't like that word but like who you think you know would best suit having a ticket who's actually more of a friend to you rather than just yeah. a, a random person that's using you for a ticket you know will you be sorting me and dan out is the uh, big question yeah, yeah, you two are sorted now. You're on. You're, you're my little legend. Walk. Greg, <laughs> yeah. Greg, he, he, he could have thrown me under the bus a number of times in this chat because he sorted me out for that for that box park. I was one of those people saying <laughs> no, I didn't like think I'd get a ticket. You've always, yeah, no, but you've always you've always shown love. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking 
like um, not even for box part, just things when I do my O2 show. Like literally, I'll see people message me, and I think their last message was like 2014, and I go, yeah. and like, yo, Nate, how you doing, man? Like, I'm thinking, come on, like, I don't know why you've got like the the audacity really to, to do it. <laughs> but when when I've seen like you know people like yourselves or even just just any other person that's just shown a bit of support and love throughout the journey, I've always got like if I can help them out, I'll help them out. Nice, no, of course, of course. Good stuff. a bit of give and take, isn't it? Of course. Um, j- just, just finally f- from us, Nath, what, what, what have you made of Villa season, you know, generally? And do you think if football does return, they'll stay up? I think when I was watching, I, it was weird. It was a weird situation because obviously we weren't getting the best results, but I've maintained this level of calmness for a long time, thinking we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And the last time we got relegated. I think we can all agree from very, very early on, we thought we were in trouble here. And um, I've only recently had that vibe of, okay, we're in a bit of trouble. But up until, you know, a couple of, I'd say a couple of, probably four weeks before the football season started, I still had this like renowned feeling that I thought we're going to be all right. We're going to get, we're going to get through this. And obviously now we're in this situation where we're not sure what's going to happen if football does return, it's, it's going to be like the start of a new season because they've had so much yeah. time off. The players are that, going to be that much more motivated and raring to go. And I think I think this, this, the league table as we see it now is going to completely change. And I just hope we go in a way forward uh, rather, than, rather than down. But um, I personally think if it does kick off again, we will, we will just scrape it and I think we'll stay up. Yeah, I'm starting to feel, I think we're starting to feel like that, aren't we, Dan? I think kind of, out of all the teams in the Premier League, you know, this break in, in a, you know, would probably have benefited Villa the most because they were rock bottom of the um, the Vaughan table. Obviously, Dean Smith was under serious threat with his position, but this is just giving them all a bit of a time to sort of just rebuild and reshape and hopefully regain some focus. Yeah, obviously the Leicester game was, was was the last game as well. So usually when, when you get hammered, you think, oh, it's probably good to go into a break. Now, you know when you win games and then you, there's an international break or something, you think, oh, that's come at the wrong time. This It's kind of come at the, be- at the best time for Villa because we got absolutely panned on, on that last game. So full of confidence, Nathan, you think we'll do it? Yeah, like I said, I wouldn't say I'm absolutely full to the brim of confidence. <laughs> but when I'm like, the feelings that I've got is that we come back, it's going to be like the start of a new campaign. It's going to be, they're going to be raring to go. And I think if we hit the ground running, we're going to be okay and we'll just scrape it. And I don't, I don't want to just scrape it. I want to stay up yeah, with yeah. a few games to go. But I think people are going to be fighting for their lives, have this new injection of adrenaline and, and want to stay in the league, not just us, all the teams around us. And um, it's going to be a dogfight. But I think we're going to have a lot of our players back that obviously we've not got, especially John and they're going to be invaluable and I feel like we can we can have a real good shot of, of staying in the league. Yeah, six home games as well and I think fans will have missed football so much if we do manage to get fans back in the ground, which obviously I'm not sure whether that's going to be possible. Obviously, six home games could could be an advantage. But just, just to wrap up now, just what, what have you got coming, coming up and how, how can we check out your music and all that? Yeah, um, I'm doing these live streams at the minute. So I'm going live on Facebook, on my own Facebook every Saturday at nine o'clock to try and like keep the party going. Um, and they've been doing, they've been doing great. Like, we've been trending on Twitter and stuff every week and we've been raising a lot of money for the NHS. So that's been really exciting. That's and from good. a music perspective, um, we're just working on new records. Obviously the pressure 
to follow up flowers now is quite high and I'm starting to feel that. But um, we've got quite a few options sitting there waiting. So it's just deciding the right record to go with and and the right time. And then hopefully just get back on the on the music scene as, as quick as possible and get on that stage and just play to thousands and just gag in to do that. Well, mate, I wish you all the best with it. You're, you're a top man. Thanks ever so much for, for coming on today. You deserve all the success in the world and hopefully your music career continues to flourish and hopefully Villa can stop up as well. Thanks no a lot, worries, man. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Lowe. Thanks, now if you're a legend, mate. Know us all. Take care, man.